Slough Radio, uh, yeah. Season 1, Episode 10. Yay. Here we are back at it again. That was uh, um, Skyway Horsehair. Yeah, off the demo, Howard right? Cosell. That was uh, Highway Corsair. Uh, there's so many versions of that song. That was uh, from the 94 demo. Uh, I love with the stuff when you bring it in. It's like an original cassette copy with a handwritten yeah. label. It That's just right. says Slough Fig 1994 demos. Yeah, we're doing all de- uh, cassettes today. So that was a cassette. Uh, it was done on an ADAT in 1994, if you remember what an ADAT is. Oh, it even is. has a sticker that says master on it. Yeah, it's the master <laughs> copy, man. That's <laughs> oh, it. Man. It was in Mark, um, the engineer, Mark. Oh, good God. I can't remember his last name. Uh, it was in his uh, house. He had an ADAT studio, which is a digital, an early digital, like, what was that thing? It was like a demo it tape. It was digital recording tape. The tape, yeah, but the tape, it wasn't a da- DAD is digital audio tape, but right. an ADAT is like a big. It's like a VHS tape. Yeah, yeah it, looks like a, it looks like a VHS yeah, tape. Yeah. It's weird. In fact, it looks exactly like a VHS tape. Yeah. Is were, it a VHS it, tape? It's a, it's a VHS mechanism that has a little bit higher grade yeah. tape in it than your normal. But could you VHS put a VHS tape into an ADAT machine? Probably not. I don't not, know don't it would, if it would do anything. Yeah, I don't know. You might be able to hear something. Yeah, I, didn't, it, I just don't remember yeah. it looked like the ADAT studios. I've never tried to look that. Like it. But yeah, that was a. Uh, that should we do? We should do a cr- whole episode of ADATs. ADATs. Yeah. <laughs> that was done on an ADAT in 1994. Um, and that was uh, Chris Hay on guitar and and uh, Justin Phelps on bass and Stu Kane was the drummer on that on that one. I think we'd mentioned him before. He was a drummer for about from uh, from ninety three at some point in ninety three till about ninety four or five. Went on maybe three road trips up north with us and we used to go play gigs up there. But anyway. Yeah, Highway Corsair. There's, there's, there's the version on the on the old Pennsylvania tape we played. Uh, what else is on that later? demo? Uh, High Season Three, 
and Highlander with different lyrics. Sweet. But I don't. Th- those versions are not very good. But the Highway Across the Air kind of sounds cool. I think I've heard that Highlander one before. You might have. It's yeah. weird. It sounds really weird. Um. All right. Well, anyway, yeah, um, that was a cassette copy. Here we are doing copy. the quarantine radio once again. Yeah. We're still... Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been here. Three weeks, maybe. Yeah, we had some riots and stuff and uh, lockdowns <laughs> and curfews and shattered dreams. Herpes? What'd you say? <laughs> we had herpes, so we couldn't come in, man. <laughs> shattered herpes, dreams. I could, couldn't do the podcast because no, I got we had, scra- uh, <laughs> we had scabies. Yeah. Oh, Scrap we're supposed to keep scabies. it clean on here, yeah. But yeah, uh, we got a bunch of cassettes today. I'm excited about today because we were supposed to do this cassette thing a few weeks ago, but we had riot uh, curfews. You've been queued up for a couple of weeks, huh? Yeah, and then we had, what, Memorial Day got in the way or something? I don't know what you were doing Yeah, Memorial Day. But uh, let's see. What we got? Just a second. Let me get my thing here. We're going to do what I'm going to do on the cassette. I have more cool underground stuff on cassette than on any other form of of, music. music media form because back when uh Slough started sending around a lot of you know uh demos and uh, it was really our first cd in 96 that we self-released that i started trading with a lot of people and back in 96 there was a lot of cassettes floating around still and it was awesome that's how I met Angelo, through Cassette Trading Network, you know, and all these other cool people internationally, you know, who hooked me up with all this uh, rad music. And I, a lot of Germans, English, So this is all from stuff everywhere, that you kept. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, from you back then. Yeah, this is mostly from the 90s. Yeah, and, and I kept it all. And uh, this, uh, most of it I didn't have on any other forum, you know. I did sometimes get it eventually, but on vinyl or CD. No, but that's or, cool that, like, you CD. didn't lose it. No, 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 because some of this is really great stuff. Uh, I noticed at that point in the 90s when we did our first uh, CD that that, uh, that the most, I thought, the greatest underground metal came out of Greece because it wasn't, it, this is sort of the beginning of the period when you start to have this uh, German poppy happy metal, like like power metal, what they started calling it. Hollywood metal, you know, uh, you know, Hollywood like Stradivarius. No, they had called it. It's funny because Hollywood metal, you think, well, it's like Guns N' Roses or something, or you know, Rat and Poison. But uh, they started calling German power metal in the early 2000s Hollywood metal because it sounded like Hollywood soundtrack music. That's pretty it was rad. Like Disney music or something. Bands like uh, Stradivarius and and uh, um, you know what I'm talking about that yeah, yeah, power yeah. metal sound that's still around, but it was really really big back then. Luca Turilli, uh <laughs> and his remember him? No, I don't remember. Okay, Luca Turilli is an Italian guy, but it was a, and his band was called Oh God, it's Rhapsody. That was like the, Rhapsody. the that was like the ultimate of this. Ho- they called it Hollywood metal. It was Italian, <laughs> very slick, very you know, very uh, um, uh, t- tons and tons of layered vocals and really sort of cheesy, glossy guitars and these very epic or arousing. I know Stradivarius. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stradivarius. Uh, like Blind Rhapsody, Guardian kind of stuff. Blind Guardian was was uh, one of the better, less. Sh- you know, cheesy sounding bands of that sort. Yeah, I like they're that actually kind of good. Stuff. They did a couple of good albums. Um, and then, uh, you know, that that sound was starting to sort of blossom in Europe, and the labels we were trying to get on wanted us to sound like that, and we were like, no fucking way. You know, we're that's not anywhere. What's you know, we get classified as a power metal band at one point back then, but scene, they're nothing like what we sounded. But we opened for a bunch of you know a lot of bands that sounded like that. Um, but it's really like happy metal, is what it sounds like, you know. So the guys in Greece, I noticed the underground metal bands there were kind of like Slough Egg. They had nothing to do with that sound at all. 
uh, at least most of them, they were really gritty and raw sounding and really tough sounding and really Did cool. Did you ever meet any of these guys when we went to play in Greece? Greek? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they, they showed well, up and you were like, oh, man, I used to send you tapes. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. A bunch of those. Go with Manos and Panos and all these guys. They, they all <laughs> I think you met some <laughs> of them, yeah, too. Yeah, I yeah. met some of those guys. Yeah, definitely. Greg Varsamis is one of them who I used to ah, you know, send things back. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. These people have to come from somewhere. Yeah. Greg Barsamas of Eat Metal Records, yeah, who has oh yeah, been I a get, staunch yeah. supporter of Slapback I knew his name for, for a while. Yeah, I mean, like, because when I was sending, when I was meeting people like Angelo and Rob Preston and all these guys, uh, Ray Dorsey, all the all these uh, American guys who who did who dealt uh, records and sometimes in large quantities, distribu- underground distribution with Greeks and Germans and Dutch and everything from every, you know, Pol- Poli- it, yeah, Pol- yeah, Polish. Cool. Uh, <laughs> so, so what do you got here? What are okay, we, what so are what I got now uh, on this one is uh, this really awesome um, compilation tape that this Greek kid sent me right around 97, I think, 98, somewhere in there, uh, of all Greek metal. And it's got Marauder, who's actually kind of a well-known underground Greek power metal, uh, true metal, whatever you want to call it, band, Faster Than Thunder from their 97 uh, album Sense of Metal, which I really liked. And then uh, Power Crew, a band who maybe my favorite Greek metal band, uh, Power Crew in 1996, and from Sign of R- Signs of Rage or th- Sign of Rage, a really uh, interesting band with a really weird sort of sense of humor a lot of the time too in the pictures they take. Um, uh, what the, 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 not this album, not Sign of the Rage, but the next one, Power Crew did a, a band photo that's on the back of their CD of them all urinating with their pants down around their ankles. You see all their butts? Like, it was just their idea of, like, a cool metal kind of, you know. Hollywood metal. Hollywood metal, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But this song by Power Crew from 1996, Enemy Brother, is one of the best heavy metal songs I have ever heard. For sure. Enemy Brother. Enemy Brother. It's fucking hot. So, yeah, Marauder, Faster Than Thunder, Power Crew, Enemy Brother, yes. All right, here we go. Check it out. Let's cue up the tape here.
Fire lights and be real 
power crew. Like Dude, that said, stuff is cool, man. Yeah, that's like that's one of the best metal songs ever, I think. And it's it's like it's it sounds like power they were like crew. Yeah, it sounds like they were about to like be executed. And it's like, okay, you can make one more song before you die. It has to be the best song you ever made. You know, they're just like everything is so balls out on that. And I this can't is believe. on a uh, this is on a TDK D sixty tape with a label that just says in Greek sc- yeah. scri- scribbled handwriting just says Greek metal. Yeah. Did you write that? Or did I think else? the guy wrote it, really? and then he and then he uh, or either that or. There was a track listing somewhere, but I couldn't. Re- I, I don't was have it anymore. Was there actually like a J card or yeah, something? Yeah, and I don't have it anymore. But I remembered that it was Marauder and Power Crew, and then I looked up. Oh, that song's called Enemy Brother. And Is any of the, are those bands still together? Or anything? I don't think so. I uh, I think Power Crew exists in a sense, but hasn't done anything for a long time or something. I'm not sure. They put out a couple albums. Oh, such that, that, God, but they're so energetic rad, yeah it's awesome it manages to be thrash at the same time it's like total true metal but it has a thrash element and they're just yeah it doesn't i, I mean again like a lot of greek metal it's very underground it's, it's very honest. spirited it's honest it's honest they're playing with such conviction and such yeah. authority they, and they have no yeah they're not trying to fit into anything yeah, they're not cool, like man. power metal it's not like tough guy you know the stuff that was going on at the time in america tough guy pantera <laughs> stuff. tough guy metal tough guy pantera music no they're just they're just straight up like we love heavy metal this is what we're doing you know so that's some really inspiring metal and it was to me at the time because it was totally underground and we're talking about 1996 when yeah. metal was at its ultimate low point and we were putting records out because we had stuck to playing metal. And I found other bands like this who had not only stuck to playing metal through the 90s, but stuck to playing total, true, you know, heavy metal of the most, yeah, honest form, yeah, so honest. to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the way. Yeah, it's fast, only, the only word fast can, and loud and screaming and, yeah, and yeah. going for it. Total and, conviction. And songwriting. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that song. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I can't say enough about it. It's so fantastic. if you're going in the Wayback Machine, I actually brought in um, mm-hmm. a couple things. I um, back in nineteen. Take the wayback machine back to nineteen ninety one. Wayback machine. The wayback machine. Yeah, I was uh, playing bass in a band called Chaucer is Naked. With oh my folks. god, yes. that brings up some images. Yeah, you know, and so. Um, Chaucer is naked. Yeah, I was like nineteen, man. All I can think of is like what, like British, like uh, gnarly. Like people throwing their excrement out windows and stuff, you know. Yeah, sure, why not? Well, Chaucer's from what century? I don't remember. Uh, I don't even really know. But it's I, I sort of medieval, or is it later than that? He's an English guy, right? Yeah, yeah, an from English writer. But yeah, really cool, weird stuff, you know. But yeah, but and uh, so uh, so I had been playing with these guys off and on even in the eighties, and then in um, nineteen ninety, I went to I went to university. And still continued playing. Very along British way of saying it. Still continued playing along with them and stuff. Were you in hospital around that and, time? Uh, <laughs> Did you study the maths? And when, <laughs> when I was looking at this stuff, because um, when we thought we were gonna we were gonna make a cassette, you know, night, I was like, you know, I got some old cassettes somewhere, and I found this. I hadn't picked this up in ages. It was in a. It was underneath some heavy boxes in the garage. Are you gonna play us hippie jam music or something? No, it's up? not hippie no. jam music. It's it's a, it's a weird conglomeration of things. But uh, because the the guy that was singing and writing some of the music, he was like uh, he was a, a literature literature major, of course. Of course, and yeah. He um, he was super cool dude, and his name was Dan. I don't remember his last name, but he. Um, it was Dan Gerzone. Uh, yeah, and we went to his house. We it was one of those things where we practiced in his basement for a couple of years, and we made a, a tape 
we made a cassette tape. We actually went to, it was the f my first experience in a, in a real um, studio. Oh, yeah. 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 I was like 19 years old and yeah. actually like yeah, went into yeah. a, a real Hollywood studio. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. With like, I mean, and, and when we went there, they said that the people who were there before us was Blondie. Wait, so how did you, wait, because th this guy could afford it. Well, why, why was it that you? Um, for t because his his band his he had this was his lifelong dream to like make this stuff. He was so only he a couple paid years for it or something, or he had it was, it was um, or did they get downtime from Blondie or something or what? I mean, we did a bunch of gigs. We got you know we did stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I remember we used to record at like fancy studios. As we I think we've talked about that. We'd buy downtime from like rock star bands who who took a day off no, and then they go oh he, we need to sell this for two hundred bucks. I got a loan from his dad. Or something oh okay okay. Like that. Yeah, That's it was cool. one of those things. But you know, it was my brother was nineteen. We had That's like, awesome. like yeah, yeah, this yeah, experience yeah. to go into this really cool studio like in Hollywood, like down some grungy alley where there was like this giant wooden wall and there was a You don't door. remember the studio what it was, it was called? called? Music box studios. Mm. It's no longer there anymore. It changed I don't know many it yeah. changed names. Um it was off of like Western Avenue and yeah, Hollywood, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, but it was the first time I went to like. Yeah, a what studio year was that? Nineteen ninety one. Oh, you said ninety one, ninety one. Yeah, yeah, yeah 91. and uh, it was the first time I went to like a real studio. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and the the people who I was making music with, they were all really cool, and they were like, you know, you can do whatever you want as long as it fits in the song. And I was like, Ooh. you know, there was really no direction, so we were like, all right, let's just go for it. And we came up with some songs. You made it up in the studio? No, no, like no. Like full-on no. rock star, like no, rolling stuff. No, not at stuff. all. No, no, no. We worked <laughs> on it for a couple of years. But, uh, yeah, so uh, to kind of loop back to the Slavic connection. Yeah. This, uh, this, song is called, this song is called New Philosophy. Oh, my God. You got This guy was a...
think about it, oh, I don't want to see. I don't want to know the kind of fool they'll make of me. The public gets what they deserve, not what they demand. Unless we all decide to be a business, not a band. Let's have over me, I'm getting dizzy. Please, will someone make it stop? So that shit. was some Agent Orange to uh, top it off there. Wait, what's the name again of the band you were in in 91? Um, that was uh, Chaucer is Naked. Oh, yeah, that's right. Chaucer is Naked. That yeah. was incredible, The record man. was called uh, It's Not Sacred Anymore. came out in 1991. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think we even had a label on here at all. What are, Slough Fake fans, what do you think? Should we cover that song? So I can go, nobody can screw with me. <laughs> it's fucking great. It was fun. I mean, that was stuff it's we actually. cool. I was telling Mike we actually wrote that in the 80s. And um, that's what we started writing it in 1989. And we recorded it in 1991. And that was yeah. what we came up with, man. I mean, like I said, I was 19. And we were having a good time. And. We had we had keyboards, we had synthesizers, and we had uh, we had people who could sing, and we had this uh, this cool uh, Filipino chick <laughs> who would sing backup vocals. She was awesome. Is she not on there, or is she? She is. She was oh, one yeah, of the I didn't oh. oh, that was her. That wasn't him. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't Dan Gerzone or whatever no, his name was. was yeah. uh, I think her name was like Min. Or uh, like that. She was super. That's cool. funny because that. Yeah. She joined the band literally like a week before we went into the studio. And and wrote all these parts to the songs, and then came in and like she was like a one take Johnny on everything, and uh, we were like, wow, cool. So just backing vocals, just backing vocals. Yeah, she know. I don't think she ever. Well, did if you have a, a gothy band like that, you have to have a chick singing. I mean, you, you yeah, have to have we, a girl doing something. A, I mean, it's a goth kind of a, or I don't know if you call it goth, whatever you call that style. And then the funny, also another Slavic connection. The, uh, at the time, I was taking Intro to Philosophy. Oh. Yes. So that's why it was and, called. And yeah, my yeah. philosophy teacher came to our gigs. Hey. And he had the full-on blazer with the patches on the elbows. Oh, And wow. he had the kind of uh, the, the uh, salt and pepper beard yeah. with uh, small, Wait, small no, glasses. Wait, now what school was this? Uh, I was at back at City College because I didn't do too well Which at one? the university. Pasadena. Wait. Oh, Pasadena City College. Okay, yeah, it was yeah. Pasadena City College because when I went to the what university, university? I, <laughs> I went to San Diego State. And you screwed it off, and then yeah, yeah, yeah everyone and does that. Around and stuff. You yeah. know how many kids I taught who do that? They go, time, man. they go away from home to go to college, and they just <laughs> yeah. piss it away. You know, they because yeah, they totally. just they just go party and they screwed up, and then they go back to their parents' house because they've just like fucked up royally, and then they go to community college and they start taking it seriously. <laughs> yeah, well, I <laughs> mean, had so many it was students like that. Basically, I had a choice. Yeah, you know, I went to Humboldt State and I didn't do much for smoke weed. Now I'm here. Well, I couldn't go back to my. Well, I mean, I went back to my dad's house for like I don't know a couple months, but then yeah, I got yeah, my yeah. shacked up with my girlfriend at the time. Shacked. And. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was going to city college, and I had to make a decision. Like, okay, do I want to, do I want to try and get a job, or do I want to like go to school? Yeah. You know, and I had to make yeah. a decision for myself. No, that's usually what <laughs> the students I get are like that. They're like, so I moved back with my parents, and they're like, you can, well, you got to go get a job at Taco Bell or something, yeah. or go to community college. So then they, and they, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you know, because uh, that's all they can get out where I teach. It's because it's like, it's like. Uh, 
you know, so far out in the suburbs that there's yeah, nowhere my, my to work besides. Teacher, so they can work at Whole Foods. You know? My intro to philosophy teacher, his name was Justice Richards. <laughs> his name was Justice. Yes. That was his title? No. Yeah. He was, he, was he a judge? He, no, no. no, but he was so cool. He was the kind of guy who, when he was so passionate about his work that he would, like, get in your face and, like, yeah. really, like, sounds like, me, like yeah. breathe into yeah. your face, like, five inches. Oh, good thing you don't do that. You're not having doing that right. now. Yeah. No, right? You can't do yeah. that now without a mask. But, uh, but he'd be, like, right in front of my Intense. face, like, trying to yeah. drill this stuff That's awesome. Me. That's I've done that before. Yeah, yeah you and get like down you and said, go, you will listen. Yeah. But he had that sport coat with the patches yeah, on the elbows yeah, yeah. and stuff, and he'd come to my gigs and bring a date. And I'd oh, be like, yeah. And How old was this guy? Oh, like, at the time, he was probably in his 50s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's he like, well, yeah. college teachers at the time he was probably in his fifties. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. He'd bring a date to my gigs, and they'd have a couple drinks, and and he would be very uh, critical of my plane. Of course he would. Yeah, because he he's totally critical of my. He'd plane. be like, "Well, I think you need to improve on the uh, you know, whatever." He was like, "I noticed the part where you and the drummer looked at each other, and you both looked very confused. May, might I suggest?" Don't look confused, if, uh, even if you're confused. He said, "Don't don't appear to be confused." He says, "But it looks like there was a point there." And I was like, "Well, yeah, we, was were. He, we didn't know where we were." That's awesome, man. So this guy was like, "Yeah." So was he? Um, so you like the class, right? What did oh, you of like? Do you I went remember on to minor, what you I went on to minor, minor in philosophy. In, yeah, yeah. Do you remember what you learned? Like, um, it was. I mean, it was in intro. that guy. It like, was, like Descartes it was intro and Plato. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. basic stuff. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And it was like back in 1991, so yeah, <laughs> so you don't I remember. Don't really yeah, remember yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember. No, that, that's awesome, remember man. What I learned today. But usually, philosophy guys like that are a little bit weird, and they'll go to yeah, like if, your if you had a college. student and he was like giving you a flyer and said, "Hey, oh, come yeah, see my yeah, show," and you yeah, were yeah, like, yeah. "All right, I'm not doing anything." The opposite night. is what ends up happening. They end up coming to my shows, but right, but, but uh, well, because I don't, I mean, because I teach so way out there that it's kind of like strangely, not not many of my students have been in bands, which is very surprising. You think they would be. Maybe they're but, DJs. Oh, I had some of the. Yeah, it, well, it's see anymore. They just don't talk. Or they do gaming on it's Twitch. It's a whole different thing now. But like maybe like f five to ten years ago, hell yeah, they were or all. They dance crazy. on TikTok. They do that, yeah. <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. TikTok. Oh, it's oh what is that? No, no, wait. He was Farley was talking about that. What is that? Oh, it's just an app for your phone where you post pictures of you dancing. Oh, good God. And then yeah, if, yeah. It, if it, if it I'm sure on, they do that, yeah. And all your friends like it and stuff, and then yeah. they try and all do the same dance, and next thing you know, you got like a bunch of followers. people <laughs> doing the same dance, you know? So awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really. That's how some serious. It's, it's out there, dude. Phenomen phenomenology. It's a but uh, speaking of out there, what do you got yeah, for us to play next, Mike More Scalzi? underground metal on cassette, baby. Yeah. Okay, so some more favorites from the uh, vaudevillian vaults. Not really vaudevillian, but. Um, from the vaults, definitely, of the 90s, which is my thing for today, 90s underground kind of metal 90s from the tape theme. trading days. Now, I know yeah. Angelo is going to come join us in a little bit. He was more involved in the tape trading network in the 80s. I have mixtapes from the 80s, but they're more like hardcore and weird stuff. Um, but they weren't tape trading for people who lived in different places. I was more just in my Pennsylvania yeah, town, sort of radio friends, friends and stuff yeah. like that. It w I wasn't doing a lot of metal tape trading in the 80s. It wasn't until the 90s when I started having my own music recorded, you know, right. that I started trading with people internationally because I didn't feel, I just didn't know or about it or think about it or even want to do it, I guess, in the 80s when I didn't have anything to contribute, I, I guess. I don't know, really, didn't really think about it at all. Um, but it was my motivation when we actually started making our own Slaufeg music, recorded music, that I was like, I got to get this off. out of there. I got to hear other stuff of this that, that people were doing. Because to my surprise, I found, see, that was a thing. In 94, 
or even hell, 91, 2, 3, 4, 5, so, you know, when we were, we were here, uh, from 91 to 95, when we were recording music all the time, I was not aware. I was, it was, I was kind of, it was kind of weird in a way. I wasn't aware that there were people making heavy metal uh, on a, you know, on an underground level all over the world. I thought there must be someone doing it somewhere, but it seemed like anybody I knew in the United States, especially around this area, yeah. there was no one making heavy metal. There was, you know, there was the tough guy Pantera groups. There's a few leftover thrash bands. Um, even in like 92, there were a few glam bands left, which Broke is really, helm. well, there was Broke as Hell, <laughs> but no, I didn't encounter them until 96. So and and I even though they lived they, they lived in the same city I did, I found out about out about them through the tape trading network people in Greece yeah, and Germany Yeah how did you even find out no. about the band like in your local Well they had played in ages then. they were like they didn't them and Stone Vengeance and some of the you know those types of bands who'd really I didn't broke a sound play in the 90s or did they They played in the ni- okay they played very little in the early maybe in the very early 90s but not not at all really and then in the mid 90s Hardly any. They like when I when I got them to play in 1996 or we're gonna, seven. We're gonna have Tiki Bob in here. As we gotta a, get Bob in here. Yeah, we gotta have Tiki Bob in here as a special Tiki guest. Bob. Yeah. We well, you know when he does his. Uh, yeah, uh, Bob Ho. Yeah, Bob yeah. Ho. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 uh, <laughs> but Bob Wright told me in 1996 or seven, whatever the first Metal Rendezvous show was, probably 97. That the, the or Jack Hayes told me the drummer broke his helm said I. Uh, last time we played was probably a party like a f- couple years ago. You know, we don't really. They didn't, well, there was no metal gigs. <laughs> That's you know? awesome. We were just playing with whatever bands we could, punk bands, whatever, go- uh, grunge bands, whatever we could do. I'd love to see Broca's Helm at a backyard party. Oh, I could totally see that. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, in the South Bay somewhere. <laughs> and so Broca's Helm was mm. not really on the radar at that moment, right? But I found out about them through uh, people in Europe. Saying, oh, broke as hell. Man, yeah, they're from your area, you know. And then Justin Weiss, who was our engineer, one of our engineers, was, fr- I think his girlfriend was fr- or was connected to Broke as Helm somehow through Jack or something. And they, they had this connection there. And he said, oh, they broke as Helm. They're actually really good. I was like, oh, yeah, those guys. He's like, yeah, yeah, they're this great metal band. They have a lot of sort of cloud in, Euro- in the European underground scene. And then so I invited them to play the show. And then I was like, oh, wow, there's a few bands like this here. And but really, I didn't know that <laughs> bands were making metal of the style we made, especially not like Celtic metal, you know. Yeah. And then I realized this whole world opened up to me through the tape trading network. So one of the first people I met um, in this international tape trading network was uh, Garrett Mutz from a band called Sacred Steel. We... we we ended up being really good friends. Like when I went to Europe, finally in 99, when I went to Bakken Festival uh, for the first time that the Slaufeg went, um, Garrett, it was Garrett Mutz that really uh, instigated uh, our first European shows. He was in a band called Sacred Steel that was on Metal Blade. And not long after the first Slaufeg record in 96 was distributed in a, in a super, you know, super underground, uh, you know, like 25 copies at a time to distributors in Europe. Um, but it started selling a little amongst the, the you know, the hardcore metalheads there. And I got a letter from Garrett Mutz, and it sent his the first Sacred Steel CD. And it was a, this is this is not out of the ordinary back then. It said, "My name's Garrett, and I'm from Sacred Steel. We just got signed to Metal Blade. Here's our first record. I got your CD, and I really really like it. And there's you know there's no I didn't know there's any bands from the U.S. that sounded like this. And you know I'm super into metal and blah blah blah." And um, just all this very excited. He was excited the way I was at the time. Believe it or not, I so was actually very excited. So you had your address excited. published somewhere? So uh, well, no, I, like I, uh, 
Yeah, on the CD we had like you know contact information for it, it wasn't my, it was a, it was a PO box like we have now like you have oh, now. Yeah, yeah. So I had a PO box downtown and I just put that out on all the CDs. You know, I put a sticker on there, and then everybody just sent me stuff, and then we traded back and forth. Well, even the so, even the Miskatonic re-release of the first album has your Rusp Street address on it. Oh yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> it yeah, does. Yeah, the old, I thought that was hilarious. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, I had that dress, but then I got a P.O. box because I got started getting tons and tons of stuff and money, too. It was great. I mean, for, you know, people ordering CDs. And um, so Garrett Mutz from Sacred Steel, and Sacred Steel was coming up as a, as a, as a pretty uh, uh, underground, pretty successful underground metal band. They were, they they were coming up as an up-and-coming band. And, and they did a tour in 99, and finally, we had been talking to Garrett for well over a year, uh, maybe almost two years and he said well if you're going to come over to europe like if you can afford to come over here we're doing a you know a metal have, blade tour did you have email already sacred, at this time yeah, yeah by the time this happened in 99 we were talking a bit a little bit you on email, email yeah okay. and he's like look here are all our gigs we're on metal blade now we got a tour bus we're we're playing with destiny's end who's an american band uh and war dog who was an american man which is tom gaddis's band tom was tom gaddis's Gattis. band from tension you know tom gaddis yes. and and uh, come over and open some of these gigs. I think I can have you do that. I don't think it's a problem, you know. And so then we were really excited. We went over, met them at Wacken Festival, and we went to a few places in Germany and you opened met up them for this at tour. Wacken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, oh we, God, we said, so, your so first come to Wacken, face to face with Garrett and Mutz meet us here. Yeah. And oh, so, well, <laughs> the funny thing is, then, <laughs> then so then I talked to Garrett Mutz, and we became sort of friends that way. And then. Uh, but only over email. Then I got a hold of Rich Walker from Solstice because I said, we're going to be in Germany playing these gigs with Sacred Steel and War Dog and Destiny's End. We want to come to England. I talked to Russ Smith, who was a guy I wrote for Terrorizer at the time, mm. who had been a pen pal of mine and sent me things and talked to me and reviewed our stuff in Terrorizer magazine in England. And he was really super underground guy. Loved all the weird underground bands that he could find. And so when he said to me, uh, when I said to him, hey, we're thinking maybe we can come over to England. and Can we get a gig there? Can you arrange that? And he said, talk to Rich Walker from Solstice. He'll do it for ah. you. And then I re I'd read a, a review of a Solstice record in an interview with Rich where he said, in the Rich Walker style, which was flattering to me. Do you like any new music? No. Metal needs closed mind, except for the new Slaufeg album. That's the only thing I like. And I was like, awesome. And so Solstice was also an up-and-coming underground band, getting a lot of respect. That was the first album. Yeah, yeah. And so I said, well, yeah, I'll talk to him, because he obviously... And then I called him on the phone, Rich Walker. He gave me Rich's phone number, and I called him on the phone out of nowhere, just, hey, this is Mike Scalzi from Slaufeg. And within minutes... We were giving each other hell, cursing each other. <laughs> you suck. It was just the chemical reaction of me and him. Immediately, we were insulting each other. It was great. I mean, his new Dark Age had just come out, and I, I was my favorite record. Okay, so, so new Dark Age had already come out. Actually, no. I'm sorry. New Dark Age, yes, it had just come out. It had just come out. So he had had our first album, Twilight of the Idols, was about to come out. And then it did by the time we got over there. It was about to hit the streets. Hit the street. The street date was coming up, and it was reviewed in Terrorizer. And we were, it was, we were doing okay as an underground band. So we showed up at Vakken, and Rich said, I'm going to be, we said, we're going to be on this tour with Sacred Steel. Da, 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 da. Can we play in England? And he said, Rich Walker from Solstice said, Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to Vakken. I'm going to meet the guys from that band. I'm going to stay on their tour bus and go to a few of the shows and just help them with, you know, moving equipment, da, 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 even though Solstice wasn't doing it. So, we went. I met Rich Walker first, just at randomly there in the Vakken. This out of you know fifty thousand metalheads, I recognized him pretty pretty easily. He recognized his, me. His pictures that he sent you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then uh, 
on his record, you know. And <laughs> and then I saw him giving out Twisted Tower Dire flyers because he he was putting out their oh, record that on his own label. Miskatonic playing. Mis no, they were not. They were no. not playing. But Miskatonic Foundation, his label, was putting out the TTD first record, and so he was handing out these TTD Which flyers. And I was like, hey, oh. I think it was just Twisted Tower. Oh, no. Ooh, I can't remember the name. Oh, listen. And, um, <laughs> and then we went and we found Garrett Mutz from Sacred Steel up in the Metal Blade area. And then we all hung out and got really wasted and had the time of our lives and went on this tour bus. And it was, it was incredible. It was so incredible. And so anyway, so Garrett, uh, before that, though, when I was talking to Garrett Mutz from Sacred Steel, sending tapes back and forth and all that, he sent me this 96 demo of his other band that predated sacred steel called Ooh. dawn of winter you know dawn of winter oh, yeah, yeah, his yeah. doom band with jurg natel who is also the guitar player for sacred steel greg had that t-shirt that he wore yeah, like i, have all a, the I time. wear that t-shirt i have a dawn of winter t-shirt i love dawn of winter and i realized that i love sacred steel but i was like dawn of winter is probably just as good and they're a doom band and they're a doom they're a german doom band who was around I think in the early 90s, or uh, and then they put out this cassette that I love in the mid 90s, 96, uh, right before the first sacred. I believe I'm not sure. I believe before the first Sacred Steel album came out, and uh, two of the guys from Sacred Steel and uh, Garrett's singing is so unique because he just his and this is one of the reasons we really bonded when he told me uh, that his favorite singer of all time, by far, hands down, is Scott Riegers from St. Vitus. Vitus. And that he, he likes wino, but he don't think wino's is good. And I say, I, I agree with you completely. Wino's cool, but I like Scott Riegers way better for St. Vitus. And um, so he's just, he just really is inspired by Scott Riegers. And he has a very unique, he a really weird voice that he had. It took a lot of balls to really sing like this, I think. And the great thing is the picture on this cassette is just like well, you have the J well, card. Yeah, they, they, they look. They're trying. They're, it's almost like a joke. They're trying to look depressed. They got their head in their hands, like it's doomed. So they're like, oh, you know, look at us. Oh my God, check this out. They're all, they're all like, oh, life is so hard. I'm depressed. Look at me. Wow, that is so doomed. I know. They're just like, oh. so this is a this is the original J card for the Dawn of Winter cassette. Um, in servitude to destiny. That's right, yeah. And so the song is called Sad Ocean. And it's a really well-written song, 1996. And then I'm going to play Forever Winter from Greece, another sort of, you know, rollicking, almost like, almost Celtic kind of piratey metal band uh, uh, from Greece, 1998 demo. Uh, so, but yeah, check out this uh, Dawn of Winter, Sad Ocean, Garrett Sad Mutz on Ocean. vocals. Yeah. Here we go, Dawn of Winter.
ends rather abruptly. That's yeah, that was forever winter. I was trying to figure out how to classify that, you know, how to pigeonhole it. We decided how it was pigeon it. pagan metal from Greece, 1998, Forever Winter. That song was called Heroes Slain of Battle. But okay. I got this tape, which this does have This is on a, uh, a Maxell yeah. um, UR60 tape. Um, on the label, it's scribbled in somebody's handwriting, uh, Promo 98. Yeah, Promo 98. But it has this J card. It's not a mixtape. It was, a, you know, the guy from Forever Winter sent it to me. Another Greek guy. Oh, that's you know, what it says, Forever Winter. Okay, Greek it says band. Winter. And they have a little J card with the little official song names and everything. And it's... I thought it was cool, and uh, I don't know much about what happened to this band, but uh, yeah. Yeah, well, j well, well you it is of interest, and it's yeah, it's got sort of a black metal. Well, the name Forever Winter is kind of, kind of not black metal, a pagan metal vibe to it, and then of course before that was yeah, um, Dawn of Winter, Sad Ocean, which I a song I really like, and yeah. Angelo's here. Yeah, we have special Terrific. guests. Well, yeah. I, we knew it was coming. The Tringali tirade continues. The Tringali tirade. Yeah. So, wait, what? something happened in Monterey this weekend. You know, Angelo lives in Monterey. What, tell us about what happened. Some yeah, you guys had some protests, got, yeah, right? What happened? You told me a, some... Running wild. He was running wild in the streets. Like he was hiding a gun, and I guess he took his hand from behind his back, and you know the cops tased him. Was his name Johnny? Was he a hot shot? Some bozo, as you said earlier. Jeez. Oh, man. It sounds very 70s. Some crazy kid was running wild in the streets with a gun behind his back. Like, you sure is? Yeah. And, and like, that sound. He wasn't streaking, was he? He wasn't naked? No, with a gun, with only a gun, a naked gun? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of wild. Yeah. You're not, used, you're not used to being in the center of the action unless you're on stage. You're running wild in the streets, man. Like, uh, absolutely, <laughs> I was I was on my rooftop uh, roof garden uh, last Saturday. Yeah. Oh, I was down in my house and I was like, anybody want to go up on the roof garden? Anybody want to go waltz upon the? Anybody want to go waltzing in the garden? You know, like Algero yeah. would have said. And uh, we all went up to the roof garden, <laughs> and there was, I mean, there was. Uh, a girl I work with and a couple guys who were you around. From the, like we were social distancing, but we went. Up, <laughs> we were, but we we were actually. It was kind of hard, but we, we went upstairs to the roof and we saw um, uh, the aftermath of. This is not this Saturday, but the one before, a week and a week and three days ago, two days ago, and we saw the aftermath of one of the riots. Uh, I mean, we just we were we were just up there. And as you know, I lived way downtown, so there's a lot of crap going on. And it was probably it wasn't that, it was probably 11 at night or 10:30. And I live next to a freeway, the first San Francisco freeway off ramp and on ramp. I mean, that's they basically literally right next to my hat, my yeah. my uh, building. So we saw this crazy stuff. Some guy tried to get onto the highway uh, and escape the cops. There was like a little chase. 
and we heard like this fender bender and these cops were like chasing this dude and it sounded like a gunshot but i don't know if it was maybe just his engine maybe just his uh his car fire back kicked back what do you call it when they you backfire. know backfire engine thing so you could see from where your balcony yeah, was yeah, so yeah, yeah. Awesome. they were going on to the on ramp all skidding around the cop was chasing him and then there was cops everywhere and they pulled him out it was crazy yeah but i could see everything from my bird's eye view up there yeah it was pretty cool this yeah. is a great view angelo have you ever been there to mike's apartment you came over once with jeff when we oh you've been a couple times okay i didn't Oh yeah, oh yeah, you stayed there once when we when we were playing with Sanhedrin on yeah, 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 yeah. I stayed there uh, when you first moved there. I went there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, that's right. And we went on the roof. Yeah, we did go on the roof. The roof garden's pretty hot. Yeah. It's funny because it's not really. Yeah, yeah, it's not really. Uh, it's only nine stories up, so it's not. It's a low rise, is what they call it. Low rise. But, yeah, you're take right, it easy. Yeah. If I was next to all those other huge buildings there, you could see like the whole Bay, Oakland, everything. But it's still pretty, pretty spectacular. They just reopened it because with the COVID thing, they they uh, they stopped. They they made it so you didn't have roof access, which really pissed me off. I was like, oh man. And they just reopened it, so now I can hang out in the in the sun there on my roof deck having a wonderful time okay so, so what are we gonna do so we got the tringali tirade here angelo sent me a um sent me a uh, a cassette tape it's a tdk d6 dc60 cassette it um it's a super old school tape it has no writing on it whatsoever so is this a brand new tape that you sent That's awesome. That looks like an old tape. Yeah, man. this is a talking. super yeah. old tape. It's like uh, it's like that. Those light. are awesome. They're not clear. I love tapes that, that aren't clear. Yeah, they're that like, light they're like gray cream, like, like TDK. Yeah, non-translucent. Yeah. yeah, those are like way old. DC I used to have a ton 60. of those. Yeah. So um, we've been talking about the tape trading days. Um, the, here, ni- the, here. the golden nineties tape yeah, trading network. Mike was saying I met you. That's where I met you. Yeah, Angela. he said yeah. he met you on the tape trading. He was talking about tape trading with Garrett Mutz. From Sacred Steel. So, uh, so Angelo, the Tringali Tyrant yes. continues. Tell us about this uh, awesome uh, TDK DC60 tape that you sent. And you're obviously still a part of the tape trading network because uh, you sent um, this tape here. I have friends I trade music with, yeah, about not not this huge tape trading network like that I used to be. But, uh, yeah, the first song on the tape I sent you is um, by a... Uh, one of the coolest Bay Area bands that nobody's ever really heard of called Bloodbath. One of my favorite bands from the mid to late 80s. Uh, they lived in the gnarliest part of Oakland, and they were some of the gnarliest people you ever met. Um, I went to their house once. I think it was... Huh? How were they gnarly? They were just very hardcore people. I mean, they were... I mean, you can imagine. Um, they were partying, man. Uh, they were... They, were they just really didn't... Uh, <laughs> They really didn't, uh, you know, bathe. See to the uh, the rules of society, shall we say? Yeah. Oh, um, so stinking. You know, it's all. Were they huh? crusty? They're crusty dudes. Excuse me. Were they, were they crusty kind of crusty punk kind of guys or? No, I mean, no, they were metal really... guys. Um, oh. You know, the early demos were kind of thrashy, but then they later got kind of uh, almost got, kind of started going to like a like a really heavy blues rock kind of thing like yeah. a not really doomy but they were just really heavy and really heavy. um how did you very unique did, what was your band called in the 80s 
You were in one. My band was called Cremation, That's and a, cremation um, a lot of um, a lot of uh, friends of mine used to go up to Oakland to hang out at the Bloodbath House and party all night. Yeah, yeah. They had a house. And yeah, well, they, they had a house. Yeah, um, I don't remember what street it was on. I went there once after a Testament show in 1987, oh. and uh, I'll never forget it. It was it was pretty nuts, man. I remember everything. Why don't you don't remember anything? Because you were stoned all the time, man. Oh. And you're just like, oh yeah, we were just running guns with the cholos down in you know Pasadena or down in East LA. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was on. I, was I remember. I popped up on oh, balls I, again. <laughs> I vividly recall the layout of the bloodbath house and, oh, yeah. and the whole thing. It was, it was pretty crazy. Paul Bailoff used to hang out there a lot. Oh. And um, that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that, that should tell you a lot, actually. You a lot. But the song yeah, from the demo that I um, recorded is um, is uh, called "Adversary," and it is from a demo called "Acts of Contrition" that was Ooh. recorded at Gilman Street. Ah. I think they knew somebody that, that uh, they knew the sound guy there, and they set up for an afternoon, and they just played their songs, and they just recorded live, basically. Um, cool. And it's loud, it is heavy, and uh, yeah, they were, you know, again, a, a unique band, and it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a drag that they never got a chance to put a record out, but, uh, you know, they were such gnarly human beings that I don't know if they could have handled putting out a record. Well, then, but, it, okay. if they never put a record out, then how did you come about this cassette? Well, why don't we listen to it? <laughs> Well, I'm How did I come about oh, it? Well, one of, the, one of the guys in Bloodbath actually um, moved down to Monterey. We're from this area, and we're friends. We're friends from back of those days, and uh, he had that demo tape, and I, I got it from him. Okay, so I have they, all the so Bloodbath demo, demo tapes. Yeah. They were one of those, like, one demo back in the day yeah, type yeah. of band. They did, they did four demos, but yeah, all their demos, see, yeah, their, their, their demos are just like boombox recordings. They're not like proper studio recordings. Love that you know? yeah. Okay, so this is going to sound gnarly, and they were okay, gnarly. Okay, Bloodbath. This, this is live at Gilman Street, basically. Bloodbath, okay. adversary. All right, cool. Killer.
Yeah.
wild. That was pretty groovy. That was Storm Warning, right, Angelo? Yes, yeah, Storm Warning. What's up with that band? That is, that is um, well, the Doom band Count Raven. Oh, um, yeah. Before oh, they were Count Raven, they were Storm Warning. That's one of their demos. That's all I know about that. it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So Swedish band. Very that's cool. That's the song, yeah. Storm Warning, yeah? And the, Yeah, the song is Storm Warning and the band was Storm Warning. Did they have an album called Storm Warning? No, the first Count Raven album is called Storm Warning. Ah. <laughs> What's up with that? Capiche, Paisano, capiche. Yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, trifecta, yeah. though, right? When you have the yeah, name of your is, band yeah. is the name yeah. of your songs and the name of your first album. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, pretty cool little tune, though. Yeah, I like that Storm yeah. Warning track. Yeah, why did Slaufeg not have the Slaufeg song on the first album? Uh, you yeah, you got to figure that one out, man. I can't tell you. Yeah. You know? I, yeah, Angelo. Yeah. How come the the? How would he know? Well, how would I know? Exactly. You don't. We don't know. I, 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 I It didn't go on there. It all we all we know all we know is the song Slough Egg is on the best Slough Egg yeah, album. That's, right. that's all we need to know. But it did oh, exist. Oh, oh. <laughs> the song existed. It's on the first demo in 1990, but it didn't make it onto the first album. It just didn't make the cut, man. Is it on the white tape? Well, of course it is. Know your history, man. Yeah, it's on the white tape. How am I supposed to remember all this stuff? Ah, come on, Adrian. That's easy. That's why I talk to you guys. So oh, that yeah, you guys can remember yeah, all this yeah, stuff. yeah. So, uh... Have you been playing anything from the Metal Education CD, by the way? Um, oh, man, I have those tapes. Metal Education. I should have brought those yeah. in. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you could, you, could, uh, you could use a lot of the Metal Education on the I'm show, sorry, you know? Man. I worked hard on the metal education. Give you credit, man. No, it's true. <laughs> it's true. I have those tapes. I don't know why I didn't bring them in. I, I have them with the original. You should, yeah. With the original. You know, when I made those for you, I really thought about what what would be appropriate. You know. That's right. Yeah, it was some good stuff, man. I wish appropriate I for how we wanted you to in. turn out. Yeah. Oh, there's some great stuff on there. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, metalhead was... in his formative years, molding you into it, it really an underground <laughs> phenomenon in your own right. You it know? really was. It really was. And in those, uh, you, absolutely. In those formative years, back yeah. in the uh, mid 2000s, let's say around 2006 ish. He's been in a band almost six, five, six years, but five yeah. years by then. Yeah. Um, you start to finally come of age. It takes about five yeah, years to be a seasoned underground metalhead. Yeah. And, uh, and we were writing music together, the three of us, yeah. uh, with Ruben. Yeah, Anton Ruben. That's what we wrote. We have a hard worlder, yeah. Diavola. Diavola was on. Yeah. Uh, was so, on uh, so what I have here is... But uh, most, of it was, most of it was written before we got Ruben. Uh, hard worlder. You can't say that. Hard worlder. It's impossible to say that name. Say it ten times in a row. Hard world or hard world or hard world. I think I think the song that you are gonna play, the instrumental song, no, I think that was pretty much finished with Greg, yeah, right? Yeah, we played some of them. Definitely uh, Tiger Tiger was played live with Greg on the on the what the US At the Golden that Ball. happened in ninety really? uh, I mean ninety on two thousand and in two thousand five yeah. or six. Whatever it was. Did we play? We played Tiger Tiger? Oh, yeah, Tiger? yeah. Tiger Tiger was around with Greg, definitely. Played the Alehorn of Power with Tiger Tiger. We really? opened with it or something with Greg. Yeah. Before, yeah. before the record We came wrote out, the song. Yeah. That was Tiger Tiger was like a song I wrote, and it was a it was a hit. You know, everyone loved it. It was catchy. It was, you know, and we played it uh, all over the place, all over the country, at least um, for a year or something before that. Man, I don't remember anything. And then uh, some of the other songs, like Galactic Nomad. What else was written? Maybe horror. Um, the spoils. The spoils, the spoils were, was written. 
And so, yeah, and so it was Hard Worlder, the song. Seawolf. We, we played the Hard Worlder in... Uh, I think yeah. Seawolf was an early one. Yeah, but it was never played live, but yeah, it was an early one. Yeah. We never played Hard Worlder... Excuse me. We never played the song Hard Worlder. We played that in uh, Germany or something. It's on one of those... You know, at least the intro to it is uh, one of those yeah. two, two performances that happened. We were also doing um, that one uh, poison, poison treasure Treasures was around on a demo on a, a, a seven-inch version. Yeah, on the seven-inch. Um, so, that's called Poison Treasures, right? Yeah, yeah, and we did that. That was, yeah. was way that back. Greg? Oh God, I don't. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember. I don't that know. forty-five was with Greg. Yeah, yeah of course. Okay. okay. And Ruben uh, came and in, and then we we wrote yes the rest of the record with Ruben, like uh, Karmakazi and um, uh, Insomnia, uh, right? Insomnia is the Insomnia, one I was thinking of. Yeah, Insomnia yeah. and whatever else I don't remember. Whatever else is on that record? Yeah. Well, what are we playing? Are we playing Derek Doom with Greg? No, I don't believe so. I don't and I think, think Ruben so. was the only drummer yeah, to do that. I don't yeah. think so. Okay, okay, yeah, that I don't remember. I do remember that one show we played at at the Golden Bull in Oakland with Greg, and we played a bunch of hard boulder stuff. Yes, you're right, because we were the only ones who showed up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was an evening with... So we played Sky Chariots and, you know, Traders and Gumboats and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then we did a bunch of of hard boulder stuff. I do remember that, yeah. Did we do two sets or one long set? I don't remember, yeah. I think we did one long set. It was like, you know, at the end of the night, you know, there's like, you know, two people there, and we just did like, you know, Tiger Tiger and, you know, Frankfurt Han and the Spoils and whatnot. We were like, now all these bands canceled and something happened. We were like, well, we're not going to go. And then the girl begged us to do it. Because people had shown up. She was like, please come and play. And I was like, okay. And so we get in. Yeah. Yeah. And then people did show up while we were playing. Yeah. And it turned out to be okay. Yeah. But. That was with Greg. So that was the debut of, of Hardwalder. Kind of cool. Yeah. So uh, what I have here is a um, Maxell XL290 tape, which is the high-end cassette back in the day. And uh, we made four-track demos um, in Galactic Nomad. Yeah. August 11th, 2006. The three of us. My birthday of 2006? Wow. wow. My 36th birthday. Wow, so yeah, August 11, 2006. Um, I still have Good God Almighty. Okay. It does, right? I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, uh, that's the only thing that the J card says. It just says Slaufeg new oh, album. Oh, it had demos. to be Ruben if it was 2006. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Uh, so let's check it out, man. Far out.
there's our thrash thrash little demo thing that I did not like. I mean, I didn't dis, I didn't hate it, but I wrote it. And I really I have no idea when that's from. I remember writing that part just as a complete, like, okay, this is just some generic, you know, early thrash, Metallica, Exodus, whatever you want to, you know. And uh, it was fun to play. Oh, how old was that, Mike? I, we, I don't know. I don't remember. Adrian was in the band, so yeah, it was, that was in the just 2000, me and you and Rick 2000. Yeah. Messing around with the four track. Yeah, but I heard oh. that song a long time before. It's not a song, right? It's a rip. And Greg really liked it because he was good on it. I mean, he, the best thing about it was Greg playing because he was such a thrash metal guy that I thought sure. he had a chance to play thrash metal, early thrash metal drums is what he, what he really wanted to do. But and we played that song live a few times. But it's nothing, there's nothing yeah. to it. I mean, it's just like these two did, riffs. It was like an intro was or like, something. Or you make did. a song out of it. And I was always like, because I don't have any, just, I don't really, I don't dislike it, but I have nothing. It, it's totally generic. It's nothing, it doesn't contribute anything to anything. And it just goes, and so I was like, why should we pursue this? But, you know, it was fun to do live. Yeah. And we actually have a document of it. And the funny thing is, as Mike pointed out, this is on a tape that's Mark Whipcraft. Yeah. I don't well, know why, how, why is it? I don't know. We played in Whipcraft now. No, we, I mean, no, I have I no don't, idea. I like, don't know. Yeah. So, no idea what, uh, what Whipcraft is. Well, no, I don't <laughs> have any idea why this mix of us playing that song is on a tape that's marked Because you're probably demoing that Whipcraft on the same... I was, I, was, you know, I was going over Slaufeg demos with Whipcraft tapes. Or vice versa, obviously. Cause there's <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. What is that song called, guys? That Galactic Nomad was awesome. That was a. Uh, What's that other song called though? Was our title? You don't know. It was just. Oh, I think we called it like thrash song. We put it on the yeah, set. Yeah, I don't think that was uh, song. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, but before that. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that Galactic Nomad. I don't, I don't recall hearing that in a long time. That was great. Yeah, I have. Cool. I forgot how good tapes. that sounded. Yeah, the, the, we the made demo. track tapes in 2006. Yeah, that one was really good. Before yeah. I got the the half inch machine, the real yeah. real. We were we were oh, okay. track tapes. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody remembers that. I do. Well, I mean, you know, but I, you don't. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Stone but, but I find Every the time tapes. You record that stuff, you're you're stoned out of your mind. Aren't you? I, I, you know, that's why I need. You're baked, well, bro. Now, at least I Pickle have prints in the recording studio. Well, for all the stuff that we do now, I have track sheets for everything we do on right. the real. So for that, I have documentation for everything. But you know, when we were making cassettes in 2006, oh, yeah, I know. you know, I, I didn't really write much down. Well, yeah, I remember making cassettes. Yeah. We made, I mean, everyone made cassette tapes, but that one, the four track, um, hell, I remember doing that before, right before you were in the band, John Torres at his house creating, you get a drum machine out, and we'd put riffs on a, on a tape at his house. And then, and then you guys that, were playing with a drum machine? John was, not me. He, he wrote a song that he had, uh, John Torres, before he left the band, that uh, we were going to, he wanted to put on Traveler. It, yeah, he, he, we did Down Among the Dead Men with John Torres, and then we were going to go on tour. Of course, we didn't with him because uh, he bailed and went to play with Broham. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, but Bro-ham? no, we, Broham, yeah, is a hip-hop band. They got a Warner Brothers. Well, I don't blame him. I mean, he was he was like, dude, I, 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 I got to do this. Sorry. You know, I was like, eh. five, he got some big stipend from Warner Brothers. You know, like they paid the guys like a salary 500 bucks a week stipend there i call it a stipend but it basically was and then they put him on tour at like cypress hill or something it was insane wow. you know yeah i didn't play what you give to cypress hill. no i couldn't argue with them when i say don't do it you know you had to cancel slot back door i'm like look you're gonna basically make a living off this at least for a while so but we but anyway jim mack came into the picture no 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 jim mack was long gone by then he, he replaced jim mack 
Because he did that '99 tour that I was just talking about, yeah. Silver Steel, and then he he didn't work. It didn't. He and didn't then work. and then you got John's brother, John Dan. Yeah, 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 Dan, Dan, yeah. John uh, John Torres yeah. went with Broham, this hip hop thing on Warner Brothers, and he, you know he made the big time and said, I, I'm just, you know I can't I can't do it. And so we got Dan Cobbett to play bass, and that was great. Yeah. He moved to L.A. because he was a film uh, special effects guy. And right. He got, he got a job working on like. Some insane, like uh, uh, doing special effects for uh, what do you call, uh, um, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies or whatever. He actually oh, wow. did. Cool. <laughs> so he moved to LA and they put him in Australia and gave him a sports car. Whatever. All these guys kept getting all this big right. money and getting And then Adrian came into the picture. Yeah. <laughs> then we got back from that tour and we're like, okay, so Torres didn't do it. Dan Cobbett did it. Then he came back here. He was going to stay in the band. He was into it, but then he had to move to LA for obvious reasons. And I was, you know, sure. He didn't, you know, and then then Adrian, yeah, and. and uh, well, we're going to, um, uh, uh, crud. No, I, I, oh, yeah, John Torres was, was, was after, uh, Down Among the Dead Men, after we finished that record, he was making yeah. demos for songs for the Traveler album. He wanted to write a song, and he came up with some song, and he, I went over to his house, Greg and I went over to his house, and he had the drum machine thing for it, and he had these riffs down, uh, and I sang on it. Uh, there's actually a demo somewhere. I mean, really? Well, John can't can't call John Torres about can't it because he's John not he's him. passed away unfortunately. But uh, the, but the the uh, years later, I mean, but um, but so I don't you know. There's we'll never hear those again. But there was a cassette that had some song that never made it to the Traveler album that he I remember very vaguely one part of it though. I'm like dun 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 dun, dun, dun. and it was it was uh, it was one of the first songs written for Traveler and I put some vocals on it and I put a little at his house and I put a little harmony down and it was about you know Traveler stuff and uh, nothing ever happened he left the band and hmm. we didn't keep it or anything Wait, he, was, he used it for for uh, yeah his other not for Brian, cool. but for something else he did he did a Ulysses Siren reunion or something and he used that song in fact I think I heard a version of that eventually oh, cool. when he used it not with the vocals I had but with yeah with some of um, or maybe it was Warning SF or some, something like that. Yeah. Or uh, Warning SF or Warning? Warning SF. He warning was in a band SF. called Warning SF. Yeah, was a British yeah. Warning, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, and uh, he was in a band called Ulysses Siren, which is actually quite good in the 80s, and he got that back together. I saw band. Ulysses Siren a few times. Yeah. yeah, and that's what he was working on when he, when he passed. He was working on a Ulysses Siren uh, record, yeah. and he was recording it with Justin Weiss. And ah. Justin, they were mixing it, and Justin finished the mixing after, you know, when John wasn't wow. around there anymore, and uh, gave it to his wife or something. I don't. Know. Anyway, uh, how do we get on that? Uh, four tracks, yeah. Um, four tracks. So what? We're gonna play one more song. And yeah, let's play, let's play another Mandator. song here. This has been uh, Slafeg Radio. This has been a great season, one. Season one, episode ten, the cassette. Um, the cassette years. Yeah. The cassette years. The cassette so, episode. It was a great idea, you guys. It was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Well, we may do it again. You know, I mean, yeah, I got so many tapes. cassettes. But the, the last thing I want to do is uh, the band that we love to make fun of the name of, of course, because when we were... Now, this is right before either of you guys were in the band, I think. Yeah, it was. But we were over in Germany, uh, and actually it was one of these festivals when a lot of our friends from here or from the American guys are around, and some of them from California, like the guy we keep mentioning, the Ultimate Tape Trading Network guy, Rob Preston, uh, oh, yeah. And he kept saying, oh, yeah, did you hear, um, we were, like, staying Hey, man, with... did you hear the new tape that I got yeah, from, yeah, yeah. you know, Steel Warrior? Well, no, it wasn't anything new. It was from 1988, 
but there was some album that you know a rare metal album or maybe not even that rare but something they were interested in in uh, yeah a rare metal metal album that one of those guys like Andy Prizig we were at, we weren't at his house but some there's these metal collectors there who you know make a living off selling just masses of uh, uh, old 80s metal albums to yeah, people all over the world that. and I mean crazy stuff Andy Prizig and uh, who's German and uh, Rob Preston would would bid on these things like they like at one point during the late 90s early 2000s somebody and this is metal even you know the early 2000s metal was certainly not back to the level it is now at all it was still rather you know not in the not not what people were listening to and right. and some guy uncovered a somewhere in i believe it was in america somewhere i don't remember where somewhere in the south or something uh, a trailer like a tractor trailer like a like a like a uh, uh, pretty decent sized 18 wheeler sized cargo Tra- trailer yeah. full of heavy metal records from the 80s <laughs> that just yeah yeah that were still wrapped in the plastic and never really got to you know they, they uncirculated the, the 90s yeah, new old stock the 90s came came in too fast and, and nobody wanted them and it was everything from hair metal to maybe a little bit of thrash to whatever and people were bidding on it all over the world saying well I'll go buy those. I, I don't know. They, no one knew exactly what was in it. So there's some mainstream yeah. stuff and probably some weird I remember stuff. this, actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 Andy Prezig and Rob Preston were talking about it. I think Andy Prezig may have put a bid on it. Somebody got it, and they got all those records. But if you knew how to unload internationally, knew how to get rid of metal yeah, records, like there's all these yeah. people who would just buy anything in bulk, and they could get rid of it in Japan or something, you know. And that was very interesting. And so that we were at one of those guys. I think it was Sasha Maurer or Sasha, yeah, or uh, one of these German metal freaks who had every record. Or maybe it was Hagen or he, uh, no uh, uh, Herman yeah. Paul Hogan. or the guys from uh, um, uh, Ancient Arts or something. And Rob was saying, "Oh yeah, they have the Mandator album." And I was, <laughs> thought it was just hilarious because I I remember saying, uh, you know, just just the idea of that name. Like a mandate, like you know, like they're at they're uh, uh, where's mandate are from now? They're Dutch, I think. I they should be from San Francisco. Well, yeah, that's it. But they, they I, actually, I cannot remember what exact country they're from. I think it's uh, Holland, but I'm no or Denmark or where they. But 1988. Uh, Europe. The, the initial velocity is the name of their record, and I was fantastic. <laughs> which has its own undertones or overtones, as you will. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I know. Well, I know. It sounds a little bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, they could have called it Penetrator or something, but they didn't. But anyway, I was thinking at first, just it's just funny, even without thinking of the homoerotic possible, you know, bad bad taste joke about it. Just like, oh, yeah, connotations. It was like Mandator is kind of a silly name anyway. Like Mandate, like it's supposed to be like you're you're the Mandator. You can yeah, you, you are, can do you Mandate. To command. Yeah, 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 like that kind of thing. Yeah, you command, you know. But then I thought. Wait, and I think Alan was the Alan Horrocks. We were it was in Europe one of these times, and he was like, "Wait, Mandator? That doesn't sound like Commander. That sounds like kind of like you're dating men." And I was like, "Oh my god!" When you're living and in San Francisco. That the, stuff comes up all the time. We got the record, or we we had you know whoever guys that, that that metal collector's house that was. We pulled out the record, and there was this big eagle on the front of it, looking on. <laughs> yeah, 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 really? yeah, kind of a, yeah. Oh my god! And I was just like, "Oh my god, Mandator initial velocity." But then you put it on. It was a you know sort of a 1988 kind of thrash, not early thrash, but somewhat early thrash. Sure, why not? And it was, it, it's pretty decent. And I, but you, you'll never forget, you'll never recover from that name. You think, oh man, it's supposed to be the most poorly thought out selection for a band name. Like, 
Because they were in you know, Europe, though, you're not taking well, they were, they into those ESL context, guys, you know? so they didn't speak English all the time. So they were yeah. thinking, Mandator, yes, commanding, man. Yeah, and they didn't really think man. about the fact that they're called Mandator. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And that their album's called Initial Velocity is just is just icing on the cake. And this is why you always need to keep your pen and paper handy when listening to Slapfake yes. Radio. Because yes. I'm going to hear a song called Faces of Death um, by Mandator from the 1988 Initial Velocity album. Yeah. Once again, this has been Slaufey Radio, episode yes. 10, season 1. And as always, if you want to have your uh, record or tape or CD reviewed, you can send it to one word, Slaufey, P.O. Box 191301, San Francisco, California, 94119. This has been Cassettes all all show long. Cassettes. Awesome. All uh, awesome. okay. night. Another one. Yeah. Great cassettes. All right, see you next time. All right, guys. Later. Later.